Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Jake Boxleg, and this is the Autosport Podcast. It's Sunday the 14th of March, and overnight the Formula 1 fraternity was in mourning with the sad passing of F1 commentary legend Murray Walker at the age of 97. A man who lived many lives before picking up a microphone full-time, Murray's unique style made him the voice of F1 for so many. We all remember his famous quotes from Grand Prix weekends, from the funny to the fantastical, and although he had suffered from ill health in recent years, he still remained as sharp as ever, and keenly continued to follow Formula One, and he will be missed. Motorsport Network President James Allen, who took over from Murray as ITV's F1 commentator, has done an Autosport podcast special of his recollections, which is also now available. Today we're joined by Autosport F1 reporter Luke Smith and Director of Digital Strategy Jess McFadden. We will talk about testing in a moment, guys, but first, perhaps it's fitting that we share our memories or good words of the legendary Murray Walker. Uh, Jess, coming to you first, what are your recollections? Yesterday was one of those days that you know has to come at some point, but you always hope won't. And I think the collective motorsport industry's heart was a little broken after hearing the news of Murray's passing. And I think the outpouring of so many memories and what Murray Walker meant to so many people, be that in industry, fans growing up, fans that were too young to have heard him commentate, it just goes to show what an absolute powerhouse he was to to Formula One and, and to motorsport. And I think... Damon Hill actually put it the best uh, on the coverage today at testing because what he was asked, you know, what has the motorsport industry lost? And he said, I don't think we've lost anything. I think we've just been reminded of how much we actually had 
in Murray Walker. And today we're marking two years since the death of Charlie Whiting. And that for me, that was a loss because Charlie still had so much to give. And Murray gave so much to our to our little world. And I think it's just the tributes today have been amazing. And, you know, I, I remember the Murrayisms and, you know, of everybody. I mean, the, the, the quote from 96 Suzuka is just echoing across social, on websites, you know, everyone, everyone remembers those famous immortal words. Um, and I think collectively we've all got lumps in our throat right now talking about him. To have lived a life of so much love and meaning must have been just what a brilliant life he must have led. So really sad but so many so many fond memories collectively shared or lived through what a man and obviously we like to celebrate murray's indelible mark on formula one with perhaps his murrayisms and luke do you have any any favorites that stand out to you yeah just to echo what jess said there i think the thing that i i love so much about murray and i i was a bit i'm a bit young for him to have been the voice for f1 for me growing up to be honest with you um but I always knew who he was and I always went back and watched old clips and I'm pretty sure I had a VHS tape uh, growing up that had sort of like all his uh, his sort of uh, recollections and talking about Formula One and everything like that. And the thing that set him apart, and I think not just as a commentator, but as someone who was working within Formula One was just his sheer enthusiasm and his passion for the sport. And that was all encompassing and it just went beyond everything else. And we've got, as you say, the Mariisms. The fact was it, it always came from a place of because he was just so excited. And I think one of the favourite clips I saw going around last night was of uh, the Italian Grand Prix, either 98 or 99, uh, where you've got Schumacher chasing Hakkinen and David Coulthard's leading by about nine seconds. But then Coulthard's engine goes. And at the same time, Schumacher pulls a pass on Hakkinen. So he goes from third to first, basically, in in no time. Murray is so excited, he can't get his words out. And he can't say Schumacher's name because he's just fumbling over his words. But he's just that excited by everything going on. And I think that's that that's the wonderful part of it, that he was just always so positive and so hopeful and optimistic and excited about the sport. And um, another great clip was showing how he can sort of transfer that into other things as well. And he was on a chat show with Jeremy Clarkson. And he said, I've always wanted to commentate on snooker. And Jeremy goes, well, we've got a clip of Ronnie O'Sullivan here and we'll give you a microphone. And he does it. And Murray's going, yes, yes, he's going to hit it. He's gone for the yellow <laughs> and he's missed. And it's just, it's fantastic. And it's just that. It's that wonderful positivity that I think as an industry and as a sport, sometimes we, we don't we don't have. We kind of look on the, the... The glass is always half empty, but with Murray, it was always so, so full. And he lived an amazing full life um, beyond Formula One, beyond motorsport. And I think the fact that it has such an outpouring of love over the past 24 hours and that every single word has been so overwhelmingly positive it's amazing and I think that he he was a real connection to a, a pre a pre Grand Prix pre-world championship era really I mean he watched the likes of uh, Nuvolari and, and those racing and I think that's the other thing like we've lost one of those few final connections to sort of such a such an era of motorsport that we don't really know about and that 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 is really sad but yeah I think as, as Jess said echoing 
Damon Hill's words. He's he gave so much to our community, and it's just uh, really wonderful that I think that we got to enjoy his commentary and enjoy his love. And I think if any of us can show ten percent of the passion that he has for Formula One and for motorsport, I think then yeah, the sport's going to be in very safe hands for the future. I think one of his strong traits as well is just that personality he had, and he was just so personable and. He was able to get the drivers to talk in a completely different way as well. You know, you get the PR lines from drivers and then Murray could fish something else out there. I think the best one is Austria 1987, where he's talking to Nigel Mansell. Nigel Mansell's got his hat on. He's like, oh, Nigel, you've got a, a bit of a bump on your head. And Nigel takes his cap off show and he goes, and there it is, and pokes him right in the wound. It was just a phenomenal thing. And Nigel gives this look of going, oh, Murray again. So we often spend a lot of time complaining about Formula One (laughs) and how it's unwatchable and boring and it gets a lot in the neck. And then I I think we we maybe don't give enough credit, actually, to how important something like a commentator is to our enjoyment of the sport. Because, I mean, if you think of some of the win margins of the races that Murray was covering, and yet he made it sound, every moment sounded like electric. And, you know, Sky's been playing some some retro throwback, uh, and a lot of them obviously are ones that Murray commentated on. And just every moment you feel gripped and it, it really didn't matter like what the situation was. Murray seemed to be able to find that last nugget of excitement and keep you pulled in. And I think that's not to discredit any of the current commentary teams that we have uh, we have in the sport, but that's just where he was just so special. Um, and again, just just uh, just shows that what just such a one of a kind special guy he was. Of course, at testing today, did have a very big banner printed out overnight for the main straight which was a nice little touch by the f1 signage team a very quick turnaround on that but you know as we always say the show must go on and there was the small matter of the final day of pre-season testing to get on with for the 2021 formula one season the drivers of course logged more laps around the Bahrain international circuit in preparation for their campaigns this year and as he did on the opening day, Max Verstappen ended the test fastest with a 1 minute 28.960 lap on the C4 tyres, but faced a surprise contender for top spot. Alpha Tauri rookie Yuki Tsunoda ran him close on the C5 tyre, going under a tenth slower than the Red Bull driver, as Carlos Sainz Jr. was third fastest, albeit embroiled in a late skirmish with fourth place Kimi Raikkonen at turn 10. So, Luke, let's begin with you and on the front of Red Bull. It's looking very, very promising for the team and it seems to have dialed out those issues that it sustained last year. Well, what do you make of them so far? I have been really, really impressed. Yeah, I think that every year we kind of come away with a, a testing champion and um, it's kind of been a running joke maybe that Ferrari has won the testing world championship four of the last five years and ended up with diddly squat at the end of it but uh, I think really this year Red Bull are the testing champions I think they, they've had such a good test I think the car has run pretty much without missing a beat I think bar uh, when uh, Perez's engine cover decided to fly off yesterday which the team said wasn't a big issue they could fix that quite quickly otherwise they've run really really smoothly and it's been really really impressive and I think that over the winter we kind of had this narrative particularly after how the season ended in Abu Dhabi of okay could Red Bull finally make the step forward in 2021 could they finally beat Mercedes because of the stability in the regulations and uh, I think everyone including myself kind of poo-pooed and be like nah it's going to be the same old story come the first race Merkel fly clear but testing has actually kind of spoiled that narrative a bit because Red Bull are looking 
a world away from the team that traditionally comes to testing, they have a few spins and they start the season slowly, develop the car and then end the year pretty much on a par with Merck, but it's far too late for the championship. This year, they're starting much, much stronger. Uh, Max Verstappen said the car is nice and predictable. Sergio Perez echoed that, said it's it's feeling pretty good on a balanced side of things, which has been one of the traditional weaknesses, particularly with the initial RB16. But it's all it's all looking really good. And I think that when we saw those laps this evening, I think that really validated everything we were kind of thinking already. The fact that Max was able to go initially really, really quickly on the C3 prototype tyres, that was really convincing. And then he moved to the C4s and he just ramped it up another notch. And I believe on his fastest lap, he ran wide as well. So there was probably another couple of tenths in that at least. Um, and that's before you factor in fuel loads or anything like that. Naturally, we don't know precisely where everybody is. But I think Red Bull can't really have done much more in testing. I think they maximised three days. They got some good mileage in. And I think they can be really, really happy. So, yeah, massively impressed by what they've done. Yeah, I think the hype train for a potential title fight this year is slowly starting to build up. So, uh, yeah, nice to get our hopes up. Hopefully, aren't dispelled in two weeks' time. Jess, obviously, they've got a new driver lineup for this year as well. Sergio Perez joining the team alongside Max Verstappen. It's going to take him a few races to get fully up to speed, but when he does, do you think he's going to be a much more potent candidate in that second seat and maybe even beat Max on uh, on the odd occasion? Yeah, I think he said today, didn't he, that he reckons it's going to take him about five races to really bed in at the team, um, which, I, you know, I think, especially because he's only had three days of testing, it's probably going to take him a little bit, a bit of time. But I guess the thing that we all know about Checo is that he's so steady and so good. The performances that we saw today, whilst we can't, as Luke said, we can't maybe get a, a true sense of the pecking order. I, I just think he is he is the right person for Red Bull. As much as it was, and we spoke a lot about this last season, heartbreaking to see Alex lose his seat. I think that's exactly what Red Bull needed was someone who was sure, steady, experienced and can push Max. I actually can't wait to see qualifying at Bahrain. Um, and I know everybody's giddy to see cars on track and and kind of in their full uh full quality quality trim or race trim in any case but i'm i am particularly excited to see that pairing uh shape up in uh, in bahrain in a couple of weeks time we know checo can qualify quickly we know that max is a force to be reckoned with and earmarked as a future world champion if he can get the right machinery underneath him so as a pairing i'm not sure who's going to come out on top i i think if you if I had to go with somebody for this season at this point in the season, I mean, early days, I only just, only just got started with pre-season. I think I'm still going to give it to Max, but I think Checo is going to be right up there and exactly what uh, Red Bull had been calling for for the past few seasons in terms of having a really steady one and two uh, to take the fight to Mercedes. And if Luke's hype is to be... Uh, be believed uh, which I think we all want we we desperately want a title battle of some shape or form that's a really exciting prospect for us to be looking forward to just 0.093 seconds off a surprise contender today Yuki Tsunoda looking very very competitive on the C5 tyre Jess we'll stay with you for this one Uh, Yuki coming into that team looking very very good off the bat he's had a lot of time in the AlphaTauri cars but he seems to just come in and hit the ground running Again, it's hard not to get hyped. And I don't know if it was just the delirium of having had to squeeze three days of testing um, into a short into a short weekend. Um, but it was very difficult to not get rather excited seeing Yuki light up the timing screens. There's been a lot of excitement around Yuki 
he was he was super competitive in Formula Two. He's an exciting prospect. He's an amazing guy, just very likable. I think he's already got the fan vote. I don't know if any of us thought that he'd be in P2 at the end of testing, especially as we were in uh, quali runs towards the end of the end of today. It goes to show, I mean, that Alpha Tauri looks competitive. Am I surprised? I think we all knew that Yuki Tsunoda was a talent. The worry is always about whether the uh, the Red Bull driver machine was going to eat him up and spit him out. Again, in terms of driver pairings, not again, not to kind of slight any previous uh, drivers from the Red Bull program, but it's a really sure footing, I think, for the two Red Bull teams. So I think the hype train for Yuki is starting to pull out of the station and I'm on board. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that too. Dare we say even a Red Bull 2022 driver? I don't know. How, how outlandish are we going to get? But it's uh, <laughs> I, I was I was really impressed as well. And um, Yuki, I mean, he's been on a crazy ride. I mean, this time three years ago, who's preparing for Japanese Formula 4? Like he's been on such a rapid rise through the ranks. And I asked him about that uh, earlier today and said, like, how did you deal with that? And he said that basically moving to Europe from Japan for the first time was really, really difficult. And he basically was thrown into a championship that he didn't know, was going to all these circuits he didn't know, and he had to learn so quickly. And that difficult first season he had, he said, really helped him learn, basically. And since then, he's been so adaptable. We throw him in at the deep end and he just gets on with it. And we saw that, I think, perfectly today. And um, I, we spoke to Lando Norris uh, an hour or so ago. And uh, I said to him, you saw Sonoda out there, he's really impressive. Like, what do you think of AlphaTauri? And he said, why Like, why do you sound surprised? Like, he's a really impressive driver. We know that. Like, don't, don't sort of made it sound as I say like come on you should know this Luke but it, it was it was really good and uh, even Norris said that he thinks the AlphaTauri car looking at all the data and just the onboards and everything is really really strong so yeah I think it's it's really exciting I think that AlphaTauri they always design their cars to have a wide operating window so it's a very forgiving car it's very easy to drive I think when you're a rookie that's the absolute dream scenario so yeah I'm I'm really excited I just want to get to two weeks time and to qualifying already because I mean if we could see Sonoda up there doing well that'd be great um, lovely little anecdote as well that came out today um, Sonoda said that because uh, uh, Alfaro lost a bit of time in terms of making car changes when he shared the running with Gasly and that's because they had to do so many changes to the cockpit and the pedals and everything because he's so short it's wonderful <laughs> surprised they didn't sell a couple of Pringles cans in the cockpit just to <laughs> make sure it <laughs> All works properly. But Luke, staying with you for a moment, there's a little bit of a fracas at the end of the session. Carlos Sainz, third in the times, Kimi Raikkonen fourth. Sainz was going quicker on that, well, it seemed like he was going quicker in that lap. And then he encountered Kimi Raikkonen on that cooldown lap. We didn't really see it because apparently the TV directors had decided that testing was over before it actually was. Yeah, they had a little bit of a, a coalescence, let's say, in turn 10, Luke. Uh, what actually happened between them? Sainz was on a hot lap and he had a set of C4s on, I believe, and was, was clearly going basically for a very quick final lap in, with like two minutes to spare. As you say, the TV director had already called it a day, so we had the, the final, in inverted commas, classification coming up and everything. And uh, then, yeah, they just went to this wide shot from the end of the straight uh, coming out of turn 10. And uh, we saw both Sainz and Raikkonen going well off track and sort of side by side together. And then Sainz was really tailing Raikkonen through the uh, the rest of the lap at uh, quite a slow speed. Um, but yeah, it looked to me as though Sainz was on a hot lap and basically trying to get through. Kimi was 
just going about his business, I think just trying to get in and end another day of doing his hobby of being a Formula One driver. And I mean, to be fair, racked up, a, I think, nearly three race distances, something crazy today. Kimi basically wasn't really sort of looking that Sainz was going to be coming through on this hot lap. Sainz tried sending it down the inside at turn 10. Uh, Kimi turned in a bit and that led to a very light bit of contact, but uh, nothing too major. Yeah, a little bit of annoyance, I'm sure, for both of them. I don't think any real harm done, but it's, uh, yeah, still a, a bit of a strange end to testing, definitely. Did look as though after it had happened, if they hadn't been in cars, like they might have had a little bit of a fight because Sainz was sort of like really close to him as well for the mm. following corners as well. And I thought... This is gonna this is gonna spice live up uh, at the very <laughs> least, um, but luckily it didn't come to any blows, so that's that's a good thing. Um, they're all just they're all just desperate to race. That's all. They're as desperate <laughs> as we are to get yeah. racing, and they just thought they'd have a little bit of a end of the testing elbows out situation. Well, we saw, and with, I think uh, we saw that with Alonso and Hamilton earlier as well. It was a n- nice moment of seeing the two of them. I think Alonso sends it up the inside, and uh, it's only testing. I know, but it's it's just. <laughs> But we, the psychological games, spice. the psychological exactly. games start yeah. now, don't they? I mean, yeah. we had today as well in the in the press conference, right? Bottas uh, was sat in the P three seat as it should be, and he didn't. He turned to uh, Max and said, "Oh, I'm in your seat, mate." Like <laughs> it's just, you know, the games are being played already. You know, just because the racing hasn't started yet, I think the uh, the the uh, the psychological games might have already begun. But it's it- great. I love it. It's a very brave thing to say, especially when your competitor has quite a good car. Um, but we also saw it yesterday with uh, Gasly and Latifi having a f- tremendous scrap over no position whatsoever. That kind of brings us on to P5 today. Perhaps one of the disappointments of the test so far in that they haven't shown their hand, but they've also had a lot of issues, which is Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton, uh, of course, P5, set 54 laps today and did a 130.025. What kind of rumblings going on? Do we do we think that this is Mercedes playing the elaborate con and they're going to come to Bahrain in two weeks' time and it's going to be all hunky-dory and the same? Or do they legitimately have a problem here? I mean, yeah, it has been the kind of the key headlines that everybody wants to know, isn't it? It's like, are they sandbagging or are they actually in trouble? Um, and I think what is maybe a little bit telling to say, I don't think they've got anything. They're not at panic stations right now. There's a couple of factors at play here. One, they've only had three days of running. And usually we're kind of at that point where people are starting to bed in a little bit. Um, and so they're getting the niggles out the way, but which is brilliant because if we were, if we go back to last season obviously everything got cancelled and we turned up uh, in Austria we had a lot of reliability issues during the first race which was which was fab for watching not so fab for the teams we come to expect these little niggles and you know we, we very much have uh, days where certain drivers won't get any uh, track time at all no session time uh, and we don't tend to panic too much I mean some tabloid papers might like to blow that up a little bit more than needed but you know who are we to who are we to judge I think there's a bit of a mixture I don't think they're sandbagging any more than they usually do we know that they don't like to put all their cards out on the table in the first instance they like to keep a little bit in that in that uh, top drawer just so when they when they turn up to the first race and they are leading by you know almost a second they can go oh yeah you know well we don't even understand where the speed's coming from you know we you saw us in testing uh, it's not our fault that F1's not competitive, promise. The other telling point as well is maybe the Aston Martin team and the fact that they have some 
Uh, they had some boost issues today as well as some gearbox issues. Their customer team is having a few uh, few niggles and, and obviously that impeded their running time today. I think, you know, the Vettel put in uh, almost half the laps that um, Kimi did today. It, it, I think that that is a bit of a worry. That is a bit of a question mark. Are Mercedes panicking and are, do we think that they are going to be off the pace when it comes to coming back here in a couple of weeks? I don't, I can't see it happening personally, um, but it's definitely something to look out for in terms of, uh, we know they have power unit, they've had power unit issues at testing before. Um, they obviously said that actually the COVID-19 restrictions and F1 being cancelled saved them a little bit uh, last year, uh, allowed them to get a few a few bits sorted out. So you know, watch this space. It, it might not be all rosy for them in Bahrain, but I also don't want to get my hopes up. So I'm going to try and remain as calm as possible when it comes to Mercedes. Yeah, you never know what they're going to arrive with. They do have another, well, they have their shakedown mileage that everyone else used before the test, 100 kilometres to play with, and they'll stay in Bahrain and continue that. But Luke uh, just mentioned Aston Martin, and it has been a bit of a fraught, time um they've got some lap good laps in uh, lance stroll did 80 today and uh, sebastian vettel did eventually do 56 but it was brought to an end with a, a turbo boost issue and that again there was that gearbox issue is everything okay uh is it sort of just general testing issues or do we you know expect them to see a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to the actual bahrain race I mean, they always say, okay, testing is the time to have these issues and that's when you want to kind of iron out any creases or anything like that. But you would still much rather have that running than not have that running. And I think the fact that they last year when Racing Point debuted with the the RP20 pink Mercedes, there was such an excitement and such a buzz around that team. And you couldn't wipe the smile off Sergio Perez's face because he was like, I know I've got a great car here. And I've not really got that same feeling yet. I mean, it's been Lance Stroll and Sebastian Vettel. I mean, they're quite, they're both quite, I think particularly Stroll, very sort of good in terms of PR and just keep things very sort of, very, very, very concise, very quiet. And let, let's not overrule things too much. But yeah, neither of them have really come out and been like, yeah, like this is, I'm feeling really good. Like it's kind of all sort of, oh, it's good potential, but that's what everyone's going to be saying. And I think, yeah, the fact that they've had so many of these little sort of teething issues come up through testing and they've lost uh, a fair chunk of track time. I mean, Sebastian Vettel, uh, bar Roy Nissany, uh, completed the fewest laps in all of testing. So it's not it's not really great. Like In terms of adapting to a new team and getting up to a speed with a new car, that's really the last thing you want. And he admitted uh, after the session today that he was about 100 laps or so behind where he wanted to be, ideally, going into the season. So, so yes, yeah, so I think it's, it's not only the fact that I think there'll be question marks about the reliability of the AMR 21, but also just in terms of particularly the vessel, how he's assimilating and adjusting to life with Aston Martin and getting used to everyone around him in a race weekend environment. I think it's going to be tricky. I mean, he's got less practice time as well going into his first race, obviously with the reduction. So it's it's a lot of little things adding up. So yeah, I think in terms of sort of like, I know sort of doing a pecking order or anything like that is quite tricky, but particularly when McLaren have been so impressive through testing, AlphaTauri have been great, Alpine have looked pretty good as well. You kind of look at Aston and go, we've not really had any of that, that bam or punch that we had last year. So yeah, I think a lot of question marks over them. I think they're sort of the big... The big, uh, big unknown, I think, going into the start of the season. I think that's fair to say. And um, 
you know, you mentioned McLaren as well. Um, Jess, they're sort of, I guess, inextricably linked with Alpine in their movements over the off-season. Uh, obviously, Daniel Ricciardo left one to go to the other. Uh, McLaren, formerly Renault-powered, now Alpine goes it alone with McLaren with the Mercedes engine. How do you rate those two teams and their chances? Because, you know, they've done a lot of laps and they've looked really, really good. Uh, Fernando Alonso's had to do a lot of bedding in to get back into F1, but... If I'm calling it, I would say McLaren perhaps looks a little bit better at this stage. Yeah, there's this this kind of quiet confidence at McLaren. I think in previous years, you know, they've they've maybe got their PR a little bit wrong and come on a bit too strong in terms of uh, their own belief in themselves and they've had to kind of fall on their sword a little bit. But there's been such a transformation at that team. Um, and you can feel it through, uh, to me, if you, I feel like you can feel it through uh, almost everything that they do. And they've just been very quietly confident and they've put in the laps and, you know, had no real major issues. Um, and they've they've seemingly worked through their entire programme. You know, they, they put some uh, good, good timings in this weekend. You know, they've topped the timing sheets a couple of times. Um, I think... That that's the reason why for me I feel like McLaren might just have that that edge um, ever so slightly over Alpine. I think you're right. I think they've got uh, a bit of bedding in to do for Fernando Alonso. Uh, probably needs a few more a few more kilometers under his belt to really bed in. And obviously, you know, we can't ignore the fact that he had a major accident before coming here. And re- I mean, regardless of, of how uh, strong he is and how um, you know ready he is for Formula One, you know, that's that's something that is a bit of a, a kind of question mark in terms of, you know, he does need to have further surgery. Um, I can't imagine uh, this has been a very easy, pardon the pun, I know that's your realm, JBL, but an easy ride for him uh, formula one isn't comfortable at the best of times but when you're putting in the kinds of kilometers that these guys have been doing over the past three days that's that's gonna wear you out so my money i think i'd agree with you i think i would say that mclaren are probably slightly ahead but again it's almost too too early to call too tough to call right now but again that's going to give us so much more to look forward to when it gets to racing um so in that respect i'm actually quite happy with that luke where do you where do you stand on this as well or do you think that perhaps ferrari can get in on this battle as well um and alfa romeo also looked very very solid in during the process of testing as well Kimi raikkonen putting in God knows how many. I'm going to check how many laps he did. It was uh, 166 today, which is they did a million laps, so you know that's pretty good going. That's a few. That's a few race distances. Um, how do you rate that midfield battle? Do you see Alpha coming into that midfield battle? Do you see Ferrari moving forward through it a little bit? What do you What do you think there? It's really close, and that's really exciting. I think, and I think that again speaking to McLaren this evening and uh, I said to ask Lando Norris basically what's it been like with the Mercedes power unit like is it offering you uh, a boost in performance compared to what you had last year with Renault and uh, a big smile came across his face and then he went well you know how it is like we're still learning bits and we're sort of getting up to speed but it's it's that kind of body language that in testing kind of you pick up on you go okay I'm going to remember that and I, I think that yeah I think for McLaren they Again, like Red Bull, their test really can't have gone much better than it did. So I think McLaren have really got to go into the first race thinking we we should be third fastest at a minimum because I think everything has just gone really, really smoothly for them. And I think behind them, yeah, that midfield fight I think is going to be really crowded. I'd maybe Alpine, AlphaTauri are probably looking maybe sort of 
fourth and fifth at the moment, perhaps. And then Ferrari, I mean, that's that is again another big question mark because I think Ferrari they they've made a lot of positive noises again. Um, Matteo Bonotto asked him today and said basically, now you've actually seen the engine on track. How much time have you made up compared to last year? And he said, we're no longer at a straight line speed disadvantage. And that's a combination of both the power unit gains and also making the car less draggy. But again, we're still questioning, like, okay, no matter how much of a step forward Ferrari makes, what have the other midfield teams done? And Ferrari didn't look comfortably like they made this massive step forward. And okay, well, they've got all the resources, therefore they're back as the third fastest team and they're going to be heading up that midfield. So I do, I do wonder that even as much progress as Ferrari may have made actually is it going to be enough or are they still going to be sort of battling to be fourth fifth fastest at best this year and again I'm not I've not seen anything to convince me otherwise through testing really and uh, as you say Alpha I mean I, I thought the way they finished testing today was really impressive I thought Kimi put in a, a brilliant display uh, some very quick laps towards the end as well so so yeah I think Alpha will they'll be looking at can they sort of make that step to latch onto the to the back of the midfield that's got to be the real target for them. Um, I think we know Haas are going to be at the back. They've not developed that car. Williams, what can they do? Are they going to be, kind of be in this weird no man's land between Alpha and and Haas at the back? Or I, I don't know. But it's really really exciting. I think I think it's going to be such a close midfield this year. And I think between from McLaren to Alpha Romeo, I think it's looking like it's all up for grabs right now. Which is that's what we want. We want that across the whole grid for the win, ideally. But if that's going to be sort of best of the rest this year, then that's, I think, going to be a really cool situation. No, I agree with you there. And I think just on Ferrari as well, they definitely have closed some kind of gap. But how much of it they've closed, it's kind of open to interpretation at the moment, especially when you consider the progress that the other midfielders have made. Honestly, I was impressed by Alfa Romeo today. That mileage, that reliability that turn of pace as well so yeah they, i think they've been quite surprised jess just in general overall just final questions to close this out who's impressed you the most in in testing today uh, you can't not be impressed by yuki that was a real arrival a little bit i know again it's only testing and we know that these times aren't super indicative of the pecking order but i just think in terms of punchiness it made us everybody sit up and watch and go oh this kid's here. He's arrived. He's in F1. To me, and again, I don't know if it's just because of the quiet confidence, but I was quite impressed by Lando Norris. Again, I feel like he's another driver who might have gone through a bit of a growing up phase, come under a lot of criticism about his jokiness, which personally, I think he's got one of the strongest brands um, and approachability uh, kind of factor that any of the drivers have. And I think that's really powerful and and shouldn't be something that he's criticised for. But that's just me. He's got a lot of talent. I think we've, we've, we've seen shimmers of it, but I think maybe this season we're going to see a lot more of it. I think apart from Yuki today kind of giving us that end of testing uh, girls, I think, uh, I think, I do think Lando is one to watch. Both have been very, very impressive over the last few days. Um, and Luke, just coming to you on the same question there. Who, who's impressed you? I can't really pick the same, can I? That's boring. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I think I agree with both Yuki and, and Lando as well. And again, Lando said that he has felt so much more confident and prepared coming into his third season compared to seasons one and two. So even if he's only got 
three days of testing this year, he can go in and he knows what he's doing. And he said that in terms of helping Daniel Ricciardo get up to speed, he said that for the first two days of testing, it was always Daniel will be asking questions and Lando said he knew the answers, that he would basically chip into Ricciardo's sort of conversations and everything. And I mean, to, to be able to do that with a driver who's been in F1 for a decade now, I think that's really, really impressive. So that shows what Lando's done in terms of moving forward. So yeah, I'd agree with him. Um, Yuki, I think, Yep, speaks for himself, definitely. But I think uh, I think Red Bull, I think they're going to come away from this test as probably the happiest team. I think that they've done absolutely everything they can. We know, I mean, I, I love seeing the needle between Christian Horner and Toto Wolff. And I think that if we get a proper title fight this year, that could be really, really exciting and really spicy. I really hope that for a hopeful drive to, to survive season four, that could maybe be a, a little thing we see. But it's, um, yeah, and it, I think that, I think Red Bull would just be coming away from this test. Normally it's that, oh, we've had a few spins or we, we've had a crash. And I remember 2019 when Gasly had his, his preseason crashes and that was a real sign of that oh this isn't looking good for the season to come and it set the tone completely and there's been none of that this year it's all been very smooth and and very trouble free and I think that I think for Red Bull they have just kept the momentum going so well ever since Sabi Dabi last year and there's been no sort of fall in the hype there's been no loss of momentum whereas Mercedes look like they're stumbling I mean they they didn't have a good test and for all the questions about sandbagging and everything like that you do not cost yourself that much mileage like by purpose at all. You do not put yourself at the very bottom of the mileage charts after three days of testing. And uh, even in the final hour when Lewis Hamilton had his spin at the final corner, it's just little things like that where you go, okay, we... we I might, might sound a bit harsh, but we kind of normally see that from Red Bull, not from Mercedes. Mercedes are bulletproof and don't make any errors. And it's kind of been a role reversal this year. So I think, yeah, that's really, that's really impressed me from Red Bull. Maybe they're finally looking like the title juggernaut that we saw from 2010 to 2013 with Sebastian Vettel again. Maybe they've got back to that kind of status. It's very early to say, but I think that we're going into the season opener in two weeks' time with a hell of a lot more hope for a proper title fight this year than we have probably since 2019. I certainly hope so. I can't wait to see how everybody gets on. Barring Grand Prix, of course, is in just two weeks' time. And I don't think any of us can wait. So thank you very much, guys. And here's what else you can see on Autosport Plus right now. Uh, Alex Kalanorkas, our Grand Prix editor, will be putting together his usual end-of-day analysis, featuring all of the digging into the days running at Bahrain. MotoGP testing has been and gone too. And our motorbikes guru, Lewis Duncan, has gone over the major players in this year's championship. And, of course, Sergio Perez now has a shot at a top seat in Formula One. If he wants to join Mexican racing royalty, he'll have to live up to the legend of Ricardo Rodriguez that appeared in GP Racing and is now on Autosport Plus. New subscribers that sign up today can use the promo code PODCAST during checkout to save 50% off their first payment. Go to autosport.com plus and click sign in at the top of the page. And use the promo code PODCAST for that 50% discount. Thank you for listening today, and we'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.
the just because deal. Hey, oh, what's this? Breakfast from Mickey D's. From me? Yep. Why? Because it's morning and you like McDonald's. Let's eat while it's hot. There's a deal for every act of kindness at McDonald's. You don't need a reason when the one and only hot and melty sausage McMuffin with egg is just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Sports Social Podcast Network.